Hmm. Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Well, I've been trying to do a podcast every day. Uh, just a quick hit. Like, I decided a, like a trading diary. I read an article the other day by uh, Jason Jason Zweig, who writes the Intelligent Investor column for the Wall Street Journal. He said, you know, keep a trading diary. And then that'll let you know when you review it, how your instincts match up with reality. You know, are your fears realized? Are your hopes dashed? Or vice versa. And you can kind of tell from the way I phrase that. I'm kind of I'm a pessimist by, by, Nate, by temperament, you know. So, uh, anyway, this week turned out better than I expected. And... Uh, Things usually do, I guess. You know, I mean, I'm 66. I'll be 67 on October 8th. So still plenty of shopping time available. But um, unlike my wife, I'm not having a big party. She turned 50, and it was about 1000 a year, it seems like, for the party. But um, in my case, there will be no cost if I have anything to do with it. But 66 years, you know, 67 pretty soon. Yeah, you got to be doing something right to live that long. So, and I'm still solvent, you know, and still sane, I guess. Knock on wood, you heard the knock. So sometimes things do turn out better than your, your worst fears. And I've got plenty, but... You know, the stock market runs on fear and greed, right? And uh, I heard, I was listening to the New Yorker the other day and a podcast, and I can't even remember what it was about. Uh, But, you know, they were talking about uh, the fact that people, some people have more money than others, and some people have lots more money than others. And the woman who was the moderator said, yes, greed, you know, as if she was talking about child abuse or torture. Um, well, you know, I remember when uh, Wall Street came out, the original movie, and Michael Douglas's character, Gordon Gekko, says, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. And Oliver Stone thought, well, I'm going to make this movie, and it's going to repel everybody from Wall Street. It actually became kind of like the, you know, the How to Be a Billionaire uh, inspirational film for all generation traders and hedge fund guys and everything else. So, uh, you know, I don't know about greed. I mean, I don't consider myself to be a particularly greedy person. But when I see somebody who makes a billion dollars or whatever, I don't say, oh, what a greedy person. I say, boy, what a successful person. I wish I was that successful. So there's the aspirational mentality and the envious peasant mentality. And I think that envious peasant mentality definitely has the upper hand these days. I saw a meme today quoting Al Franken, of all people. And, I mean, Al's canceled, right? And it said, you know, uh, billionaires, the rich should quit dodging taxes because when a bridge collapses, 
the Mercedes fall just as just like the uh, Volkswagens do or something. And, of course, a Volkswagen is expensive these days, but a cheap car falls, you know. Well, fine, you know, I, I agree that we should spend money on infrastructure, but um, I don't agree that you should consider people who try to minimize their tax burden according to law, you know, some kind of socially irresponsible uh, culprit. Yeah, people are going to do that. People are going to try to avoid taxes. They've been trying to avoid them since since biblical times. So it's your job, number one, to minimize the cost of government so that uh, you don't need as much tax as the as a percentage of GDP. You know, your job is government. I say. Number two, you have to collect tax revenue in a way that is efficient and easily enforced. And honestly, those are not income taxes or wealth taxes. There's just too many games you can play on those sorts of things. There are value-added taxes. Uh, And number three, you have to use the money in ways that people have confidence and trust in. Now, some people think we spend too much on entitlements. I'm one of them. Uh, Some people think we spend too much money on defense. I'm one of them. Almost anything the government does is going to be wasteful, fraudulent, and subject to abuse. I mean, people steal hundreds of thousands of dollars within the uh, intelligence community, within the defense community, within the medical community. You know, when other people's money starts floating around, of course people are going to steal it, you know. So, because it's impersonal. And today, of course, you got modern monetary theory, so you don't even need the tax dollars necessarily to to create money out of thin air. So, anyway, I digress. But in any event, the market held up well this week. We had this Chinese uh, real estate collapse, but, you know, I think people were kind of looking for an excuse to sell because everybody's nervous going into the... Uh, October 1, end of the government fiscal year. These guys are playing chicken. The parties are playing chicken <clears throat> with each other. And it, anybody who thinks the Democratic Party is one party isn't paying attention. You've got two parties at least there, one of which is the Bernie Sanders progressive AOC, and the other is the Joe Manchin conservative. And, and Biden is, you know, given lip service to the left. But I think he, if he has any center at all any moral compass, any principles, which I kind of doubt, frankly. Um, I think he's more of a middle-of-the-road compromise guy. But he knows. He's clever enough of a politician. This guy's never had a real job other than being a senator and being a vice president, which is like a senator. He knows. He can push to the left, and he can count on guys like Manchin to make sure that none of the rhetoric turns into action. So um, so a lot of this is all just kabuki theater and posturing and everything else. So, uh, But it's still, you know, when you've got two games of chicken going on and the merry-go-round and inside the beltway, you know, now you got a three-train collision instead of just two trains. And... I'd, I, you know, I'll be a lot happier 
on my birthday, October 8th, uh, when we see what happens. And hopefully they won't shut down the government and they won't default on the debt. And we'll get through at least the early part of October with any kind of a huge correction. But if it does correct, you know, say it but true, you know, you could be looking at 10, 20% equity. And I am very heavily equity right now, just so you know, because everybody is. I mean, there's no return on bond funds. I just read a thing that uh, people are getting out of life insurance business because you can't match your liabilities with the returns on your assets. It used to be you could get... Yeah, you could get a risk-free return, like 5%, on and, and just simple treasuries. And that was enough for a life insurance company to be able to honor claims. And meanwhile, they'd invest the money in something else. Well, now, that risk-free return just isn't there. The United States has a modestly positive nominal interest rate on, say, the 30s. But taking into account inflation, it's actually negative. And the rest of the world's worse. Japan has nominal negative yield. Germany has nominal negative yield. It's crazy. And anything that does have any kind of a decent return is risky. So that is not good for an insurance company. So you're seeing people leave that market. Now, if the Fed starts ratcheting up, supposedly, you're going to have some noise in the background. Put nice on a glance. Not drinking alcohol. Just drinking LaCroix. I, I never drink much anymore. I did my drinking when I was young, and now I do my thinking. First I did my drinking, and now I do my thinking. So, uh... Anyway, you know, we may see those returns ratchet up, but I I don't know. I mean, the, we still have the debate over the inflation, whether it's temporary, transitory, fleeting, ephemeral, or whether it's here to stay like it was in the 70s. I tend to lean toward the former, but I don't know. But what I do know is a lot of people have a lot of vested interest in keeping interest rates very low. Now today I was on, I'm active sort of, in the Small Business Advisory Council. So I was on a, on a call with them about commercial real estate. And that includes uh, rental and uh, literally commercial and like retail. And these landlords were just you know, like crying on, on the call because the tenants can't or won't pay the rent. The banks won't let up on their interest rates. They can't get any money out of the state or the federal government. So you're looking at a potential mass foreclosure coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and not on the tenants because you can't evict them, but on the landlords. Because they're, they're raising property taxes, and it's like, I the one woman was on there, she says, I have no idea how I'm going to cope with this. 
I mean, it, the numbers just don't compute. So I don't know what they're going to do about that. But I do know that I, my projection is you're going to see a lot of public housing in the future. Uh, Section 8 on steroids. Because if the feds don't pay people's rent, it ain't going to get paid as long as you can't evict them. A lot of people are taking advantage of that, gaming the system. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy. Now, as long as this uh, Delta variant holds up, and then, of course, you can envision activists protesting evictions, and then you've got the the whole defund the police thing. Is the sheriff going to show up? What if somebody gets hurt? What if somebody gets shot? Which somebody will. So, again, my pessimism, my pessimistic streak shows. But And I think that kind of plays into the hands of the socialists. I mean, I think they'd kind of like to have everybody depend on them for housing and education and health care and everything else. And then it's kind of hard to lose elections. So, because the other party wants to take all your stuff away, all your free stuff. And once you get into that, you know, the British got out of it, but it's tough to get out. So, anyway, I thought this was going to be a more positive take because the market got through the week. And my personal philosophy now. You know, I worry too much about the future, so I'm kind of like, one week at a time. Some people take, I tell my wife to take it one day at a time. I take it one week at a time, and if I make it through a week, I'm good, you know? And if I do that for 52 weeks, then I made it through a year, and so forth. So, I have a weekly time horizon, and uh, like I said, I'm going to try to do one of these just kind of off the top of my head every day, and maybe I'll publish a book. With all my podcasts. And maybe you'll buy it. So anyway. Um, that's it. Live long, prosper. Do what you want mask-wise. But I've scheduled a booster for tomorrow. And I think, I don't know how this could be. But CDC, CDC's ruling was kind of confusing here. And the Wall Street Journal actually praised the woman who made the call. It's rare for the Wall Street Journal to praise the Democrats. So you know she did something right. So she's my new hero. And uh, I'm going tomorrow to get a Moderna booster, even though I got a Pfizer-BioNTech initial back. Because I figure, what the hell? You know, it's better to have the hybrid than put put all your eggs in the Pfizer basket. So we'll see if I have any side effects but uh, i'm getting boosted tomorrow so that i recommend you do you got to be over 65 i think but i'm in i got my appointment so uh live long prosper get your booster shot and we'll all be able to celebrate more birthdays of each other if that's a proper way to phrase that i have to work on that sentence Bye-bye.